0: Welcome to episode 40 of season 2 of the Search with Canda podcast. I am your host for this week, Jack Chambers-Ward, and it's a really, really interesting episode. I am very excited. Not only have we hit 40, which is a fantastic number, We're also going to be talking to the one, the only, Olga Zazechna. Olga is a really, really knowledgeable technical SEO. And we're going to be diving into all things SEO audit, which for my money, Olga is the person to go to and one of the people I have learned the most about SEO auditing from in the SEO world. So I've got the right person for the job to talk about SEO auditing on this episode. Before I get to my chat with Olga, of course, I need to say thank you to the wonderful people at Systrix who support this show because Search with Candor, of course, is supported by the wonderful folks over at Systrix. That is the SEO's toolbox. You can go to Systrix.com SWC if you want to check out some of their fantastic free tools, such as their SERP snippet generator, hreflang validator, checking out your site's visibility index, and the all important Google Update Tracker. As I said at the start of the show, Olga Zarzechna is one of the people I have learned the most about SEO auditing from. I will leave links to everything, of course, that we talk about throughout this episode at search.withcander.co.uk. The link for that is in the show description, so you can find that nice and easily. There will be links to some of Olga's fantastic blog posts all about SEO auditing, and we'll kind of be discussing them throughout the episode as well. So, without any further ado, here is my talk about SEO audits with the one, the only, Olga Zorzechner. Backup recording. Yeah, that's rolling as well. Lovely. Perfect. So without any further ado, welcome to the show, Olga Zazenska.
1: Welcome. Hi, I'm very happy to be here.
0: Thank you very much for joining me. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on. I know you and I have uh, interacted on Twitter a couple of times and, funny enough, chatted about SEO, chatted about podcasting a couple of times as well. So... For the listeners who don't know who you are, why don't you give us a little bit of an intro and we'll, uh, before we launch into our interesting topic for this week.
1: Sure. So my name is Olga. Uh, I run SEOsly.com. Uh, so this is my website and name of my uh, consulting, small consulting business. So I am a technical SEO specialist. Uh, I've been in SEO for more than 10 years now, and uh, I mostly do uh, SEO consulting, SEO audits, and everything technical SEO. And I've been listening to your show for a very long time, so it's super, super nice to be finally your guest.
0: It's very cool to have you on because I think you are the first person to share the podcast on like a, an SEO podcast list kind of thing after I joined the show. So it's a very nice moment for me to see the like, oh, people do actually care about, you know, it's not just everybody listening because Mark is here. Now people are actually listening to me and then the, the second season here as well. So that was very cool. It's nice to have that moment for me to be like, oh, we're getting some recognition for the second season as well. So I appreciate you as well. Yes, on definitely.
1: <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> so you started SEO Sly a couple of years ago and kind of I I was first introduced to you think I think originally through a, a feature on a newsletter a few years ago um, how your name first came up and then kind of like I said saw you around on Twitter ended up following SEO Sly there so how has that journey been for you over the last few years kind of founding this company as you said this small consultation company and growing through now you're working on a book you're working on a course you're doing YouTube stuff you're starting a podcast soon I feel like you're you're at the cusp of a big expansion, right? You're at the cusp of something big.
1: Yeah, yeah. So really a lot is happening right now. <laughs> I'm not sure how how I'm going to like finish all of those projects I wanted to do all of that this year. I hope I hope I will be able to do that. So I think I've been on the agency side working for like 7 8 years. And then uh, in 2020, during like the pandemic, when, when the pandemic started, I decided to, why why not create a blog about SEO and simply share my, share my experience and what I do, what I find, what I, what I find interesting. And this is when I decided to create SEO Sly and I simply started writing very long in-depth guides about the stuff, mainly the stuff I was doing. And this is somehow how it started. The blog relatively quickly gained traction and people from the SEO industry, the, the best known people like Eleida or Brody Clark, they somehow Googled me and they started <laughs> to share my stuff. And this is like how the ball started rolling for me.
0: I think that's a sign you were doing good work, right? The, the fact that people in the industry are giving you that shout out. And you, like you said, it relatively quickly as well. So yeah, that's proof in the pudding the proof of proof of good work I think yeah and, and
1: it was like a couple of months and, and the site started to start started to grow and this is when I decided that maybe it's time to fully go on my own and uh, start providing those services as myself and and I'm very happy that I am now when I uh, that I am where I am right now
0: awesome so you've got the podcast coming up is it later this month i believe and fingers yes, crossed that's cool, the plan cool.
1: exactly
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the seo slide podcast coming soon like i said as soon as that launches we will add that link to the show notes listeners so if you are wondering there will be links to all the stuff we talk about uh on this week's episode in the show notes as always you've also got the course launching in november later this year as well and then also a we'll book launching later this year as well yes so how how insanely busy are you sorting all that stuff out i could I just i'm just doing a podcast and then my usual client work so i can only imagine writing a book creating a course and all of that as well <laughs> yes
1: yes it's it, it's a bit crazy and maybe there will be some delays with some of the things but i'm doing my best to to try to <laughs> do all of that what i have planned for myself
0: awesome awesome well like i said once those things launch we will put those links in the show notes that's so. great. As soon as you, uh, and of course, you can sign up for your newsletter as well.
1: That's great, and uh, I hope that you and Mark will be one of my first guests to my to my SEO podcast. We
0: would love to be on. I will. I will chat with Mark definitely. <laughs> Have great. some more crossover between the two of us, definitely, definitely.
1: I love it. Thanks.
0: So we've talked a lot about kind of other sides of SEO recently. We've done um, talk about sort of forging your career in SEO. We've talked about uh, imposter syndrome in the SEO industry. This week, we're actually going to delve into some pretty technical stuff, which is something we haven't particularly touched on with some guests recently. So I'm very excited to kind of pick your brain, Olga, from your years and years of experience and hundreds of audits you've done over the years Because this week's topic is SEO audits and basically how to approach them, how to go through them, how to plan them out and prioritize them and all that kind of stuff. We're going to try and cover as much as we can. And essentially, I'm going to pick Olga's brain (laughs) and get some good ideas and good tips for you listeners out there. If you are working in-house and doing audits on your own site or working on your own sites, working in agency, we'll kind of come at it from a few different perspectives. And hopefully you'll leave with some good advice and good tips for running your own SEO audits there as well.
1: So that's my favorite topic. So I'm all in and can't wait to to dive deep into that.
0: I, I, I kind of think of you as the SEO audit person. Like whenever I think of SEO audits and I think of Olga, they're just like merged together. You know,
1: that's great. That's great. <laughs> that, that was the plan.
0: In particular, uh, something we're going to be referencing throughout the episode is your SEO audit guide article, which is 190 steps, more than 190 steps. And I find that so fascinating. First of all, it's incredibly in-depth and extensive, and that's kind of why I'm going to reference it throughout the episode as well. But you see so often, like, do an SEO audit in 10 steps. How the, the five key steps to do your SEO audit, and you're like, no, 190 that's how many it takes yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i think like like the most recent version i have like uh, I, I haven't published yet i think it's more than 200 250 nice. like my own template i have for this audit so yeah it's incredible long.
0: <laughs> what was your thought process of that and just to be sort of as thorough as possible and be as clear and like step by step by step kind of thinking there because i think we see so many like the examples i was giving those like top five top ten where it kind of touches on a lot of the high level stuff, but doesn't really kind of get down into the the deep minute to minute moments of actually running an audit.
1: yeah. so so this was like uh, my my goal behind that was was to make it as complete as possible and to to make it possible for people who follow that to really find all the possible mistakes they could find. because of course, it is important to have those top five top top ten. They may be like those high level things. But sometimes those smaller things, if you if you if you dive deeper into them, you can also find that those small things that that no one pays attention to, they can actually be serious issues. Mm. So I want it to be as complete as possible. Of course, following this process, especially for a huge site may take forty, sixty hours, <laughs> but sometimes it's worth doing. It also it depends of course, on the client's type of audit. I guess that's something that we'll be talking in more detail in just a second.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So let's dive into that. The different types of audits, how we're going to cover. We're mostly going to be focusing on the technical side of things uh, rather than kind of like content and stuff like that. Uh, I have got a guest planned later on (laughs) in the month or in the coming weeks to talk about content audits specifically. So let's start with kind of defining a technical audit, I suppose. What would you consider? The elements that make up the kind of technical audit. What kind of things should we be covering, and should we not be covering in a technical audit? We want to make sure we're not kind of kind of offer a, a client or do something on your own site that is also going into that kind of content side. How do we know what's a technical audit and what that contains?
1: To be honest, my guide. Uh, it was initially like uh, it is still, I think, called technical SEO audit, but it also contains other content related. EAT elements uh, like titles, uh, on-page other on-page SEO elements because I thought that a technical audit should always like touch upon those other things because it yep. won't it won't it simply won't be complete. But if you like want to isolate just a just a just to make a, a quicker a shorter technical SEO audit, I would say all the things that uh, that can impact uh, indexation, crawlability, those types of things basically uh, the data you have in google search console the data you can you can also get from other other tools like screaming frog side Bulb. so o- only the technical elements uh, without looking at at content at keyword optimization stuff like that but but as i said it's it's hard for me to like separate them and even if <laughs> someone just wants a technical SEO audit, I cannot resist. And I always uh, <laughs> I, I, always check other things as
0: well. There's no harm in covering both. I think. I think you're totally right. So yeah, thinking about that kind of when you're first starting, say you're starting with a brand new client, you've never worked with them before, what would be your initial step? And we can cover content and technical, kind of cover um, your approach as a consultant coming in here. What would be your kind of initial steps, your initial thoughts? What would be your first thinking of? Okay, I'm going to run this tool straight away, or I'm going to look at the website first. What would kind of be your first step there?
1: Sure. So, so when I when I have a new client, I always start with this uh, full in-depth as audit the one the one uh, I described on my on my site, and based on what I find them find there, I kind of create the entire strategy for the next twelve. 18 months and usually the first 2-3 months are simply like the mm, the execution of those tasks I laid out in the audit because sometimes they are very time consuming very often they relate to content and content optimizations are always very very time consuming and yeah. require a lot of effort a lot of a lot of uh, energy from our side so so doing this in-depth audit which takes me a week or so is the first step, and finding there uh, and and depending on the on the on the on the site, what problems it has, the goals of the client, I of course the, assign priorities to those things, and we decide what we start with. Whether we focus on, for example, quick SEO wins, because sometimes the client w- just wants to grow and just wants to grow their site, their business. Sometimes the client has suffered uh, a traffic loss, so then mm. my approach would be different. So it depends on the situation, the goals, and an SEO audit always at the start as my as my guideline to what I want to achieve and do in the next months or even a year or so.
0: Awesome. I think that's really laid out really well in your article. The fact that you start off with step one is the purpose of the audit. And I think that's something uh, maybe a lot of newer SEOs or less experienced SEOs will come in and just kind of be like, oh, I need to do a technical audit. I need to do a content audit get an idea of this site, but actually understanding what's planned. Like you said, is the client planning to grow? Are they planning to do this thing? Are they coming up and have they just finished a site migration or a, or a redesign and it's affected their UX and their click through rate and that kind of thing. Exactly. I think understanding the purpose there is so important, right? To For that to be that initial step and understand the goals and objectives of them as a business or your site, if you're working directly on your site, um, and then understanding how your work, like you said, lays out that strategy for the next six, 12, 18 months, whatever the kind of schedule is there. So I guess starting off to you, what would be the initial kind of step for, would you kind of have a browse around on the website and using your experience and and, and eyes as an SEO? I know I do this when I'm browsing around sites and it, annoys my wife to no end well she'll she'll open a website and be like oh that's terrible oh they've got a broken link there oh they're not doing this thing trying to kind of <laughs> activate yeah. the seo brain there is that where you kind of start off just in the instance just load up the website and have a look at what's on page maybe look at the source have a look at some html stuff and kind of start from there or would you start with you mentioned site bulb you mentioned screaming mm-hmm. frog would you maybe start with a crawl first as your initial step there
1: Uh, To be honest, I start with with this manual review, I think, and I also send, because as you said, based on our experience, we can like during 30 seconds, we can really, (laughs) really assess the site relatively okay and accurately. I I love watching
0: your YouTube channel where you do like the the five minute audit and you're just scrolling and be like. That's wrong. Anchor text is bad. Yes, link yeah, like, here, like.
1: <laughs> I don't I don't even need tools sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, so manual review. Of course, uh, manual review won't reveal everything. I won't be able to like browse all the all the pages. So manual review. I also always want to take a look at what's in Google Search Console. So Google Search Console. And of course I always crawl the site with both sidebulb and screaming frog.
0: Nice. We pretty much have the same system here. I was introduced to Sitebulb by coming here to Canada. And yeah, I know they previously sponsored the show as well. So they're not paying us to say this, I promise. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, this I is think... how
1: I learned about Sightbulb from your show. <laughs> oh, perfect.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'll let Mark know. <laughs> and Patrick at Sitebulb as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, I think that's a, an interesting thing. Again, kind of coming at it from people who are new to the SEO auditing kind of thing. That manual review, I think, is another thing that some people might not expect to be so early in the process. And there are certain things that you can pick up with an experienced SEOI or, you know, just scrolling around that some tools might not pick up right. Are there any particular things you can think of that would be those kind of common mistakes that people make when they start thinking about, oh, I need to do an audit for this site? And what's going to be the kind of like first pitfall, that first hurdle they're going to hit when they think... I'm going to start an audit now.
1: I would say uh the biggest mistake and pitfall in in that regard is that people start an audit especially uh with sideball. now now I think uh, uh Screaming Frog also shows you like the tips, priorities, issues. Yeah, they they've just
0: introduced that, yeah. Yes,
1: yes. So I would say relying on that too much is is a, is definitely a mistake and just without our own interpretation just saying the client okay the tool says you have those uh, issues you need to fix them you need to we need to remember that those tools don't have the context they don't have our experience they don't have our human brain so they may be and usually they are wrong they can of course highlight some things we we are not able to see mm. manually because they have just crawled like a million or five. <laughs> 500,000 pages so definitely they have like more more power in that respect but like relying on that too much is not a good a- idea we should have like our own process our own checklist of things we check and we should use those te- those tools to check those things not like vice versa when the tool is sh- telling us what we should check and what we should pay attention to so i would say this is like the biggest m- mistake i see especially among uh, among less experienced SEOs.
0: Yeah, I know I was totally guilty of that in my early days as well just kind of running Semrush or Screaming Frog export there you go that's your yeah. audit like just audit <laughs> straight, done. Yes. <laughs> straight into Google Sheets audit done no problem. Uh no like idea of prioritization or plans or scheduling or anything like that. It's just an export straight into sheets and hope for the best.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: so coming on to i touched on prioritization there what would be your process for now you've kind of we've done initial crawl we've had a bit of a manual review what would be the next step in terms of looking at the results there and then kind of thinking about how we want to prioritize them for actioning whether that's from the developers or from the client side of things or even us like i said working on our own websites as well
1: Mm -hmm. so uh i usually uh kind of divide my audit into two like I identify the most serious issues that can or do uh, impact SEO directly and uh, if we fix those issues we can actually expect some huge uh, results and th- the other part is quick potential quick SEO wins and those two quick SEO wins and uh, uh, and fixing of those uh, important SEO issues uh critical SEO issues are like my top priorities, which I assign the highest priority to these two types of uh, recommendations I provide within audits.
0: Cool. I think that's really interesting coming at that from, again, kind of simplifying it to, again, we, we've talked about this previously on the show. I kind of talked about this with Tom Critchlow of, of many months ago when I first started on the show, talking about communicating with clients as well. And as I just said there, the way to not do it is to just export it and throw it at your client and just expect them to understand everything. Yes. So like you said, bringing in your context, bringing in your experience, bringing in you know you as an SEO, your interpretation of everything and being able to prioritize that. Is there a particular method you come into? F- from my perspective, I always think of it as kind of the resources it's going to take to actually implement that thing, whether that's time time, Money, developer work, whatever it's going to be to kind of make those big fixes, and then also the impact or the the estimated impact that's going to have on the site. So, if there's a huge fix and half the URLs are suddenly not indexed, but there is one little thing, oh, you just put no index on half your site because somebody ticked the wrong box in the CMS somewhere. Yes, we've all seen that. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, it, it, do you think that's a, a similar kind of approach where you're thinking yes. about that kind of prioritization?
1: Yes, definitely. In my case, it 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 usually depends because sometimes I work with uh, clients who have their own developers, so mm. of course I need to like talk to them. Uh, I need to learn about their kind of time availability and uh, how um, how easy it is going to be to work <laughs> with them,
0: or not easy in some cases. <laughs> or not easy, yes, in some
1: cases. I am the person who implements uh, the the changes I recommend, so there it's usually easier because I know pretty. Well, what I can uh, for for what uh, recommendation I need like more time, which is like uh, going to be like the quickest win. So in that case, it's easier, but it but it's usually more tricky if I am the person who who does those optimizations. So uh, the way I do it, uh, I simply have in my audit uh, because recently I moved from uh, providing an SEO audit within Google uh, spreadsheet to. To Google Doc, I mm. I because at first I was using a spreadsheet with a lot of comments. Now I, I moved back to, to Google Doc because I want to provide more explanation, one more more like comment commentary, more screenshots because yeah. uh, like it it was it was a bit uh, limiting uh, in in Google in Google spreads uh, spreadsheets. So I always say, what's the priority, uh, what's the possible impact, and uh, what's the and and how much time it may take to 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 kind of uh, implement that. I, I assign different types of colors so that when when the client views the table of contents, they see those different colors. Whether it's like a critical, whether it's easy, and stuff like that, so they can they have some guidance. But of course, they 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 don't understand the audit the way I do, and I always have a call with them when I. When I explain uh, what what really means what, sometimes uh, if I don't have a post audit call, I simply record a short video when I simply talk, explain what what I meant, what I actually meant here, because sometimes it's very clear to me, but still they I don't get what I what I meant. So I think this ex- extra explanation in the form of video or audio or video call is really very, very very crucial and increases the chances of the audit of being implemented like I don't know 10 times or more yeah
0: definitely I think communicating that is so key right and you're totally right talking about how you communicate developers is going to be different to how you communicate with the client who maybe is less technical or not trained in SEO at all and then understanding how to kind of communicate a pretty big piece of work and a lot of time and effort that's going to come in from a few different people to then understand this is worth doing. This is why we should do this. And getting everybody to kind of be on the same page there, I think is a huge part of, you know, being an SEO consultant, being an SEO in an agency side. And like you said, having that follow-up call or that video there to really kind of run through things. I've always found that really important. So we touched on a little bit of the kind of gathering the basic information just by looking at the site. Is there anything you think... A lot of tools like commonly miss when you're thinking about using site bulb and screaming frog as an example here what are the kind of common things you think people would might miss if they just run those tools and don't actually go and do that manual review i know i encountered one on the site the other day where we had we were planning redirects and kind of mapping it mapping out redirects and they kept going to the home page i was like no we want them to go to the parent category not the home page mm-hmm. that's not necessarily wrong that's not necessarily an error but i know in context that is incorrect because we want the redirects to go to a different place but the tool doesn't know where we want those redirects to go if they're already implemented if that makes sense mm-hmm. have you have you encountered stuff like that were you thinking about the kind of like the context of things as you were saying that the tools might miss in their in their crawls and reviews
1: yes so i had like one uh one one, one situation with an affiliate site uh, so i was crawling it was it was pretty pretty huge website and I crawled it I was analyzing the the data and I saw and I saw that the site does not have any 404 pages well, I was thinking that's brilliant how how on earth is this possible <laughs> that's really nice but then when I like uh, when I when I uh, when I dived a uh, dive deeper, uh, I noticed that the site simply had no 404 page, and 404 was simply uh, redirected to to the homepage. So mm. it was like not possible for the crawler to to see that. I was able to kind of find that information, but at the first glance, the site looked like perfect, the perfect site. <laughs> so that was one thing. Uh, and I think what also those uh, tools are missing is they won't, Uh, tell you if the site is for example optimized for keywords okay if it if it has like any keyword focus if it has like uh, okay internal linking in terms of again using the right keywords in anchors of course the tool will show you the anchor text like the the most often used anchor text but they won't show you whether the site is optimized in a in an optimal way if i if i can if i can say that because the site (laughs) (laughs) the site may be pretty okay in terms of technical stuff but Mm. but it may be like has has no it may have no seo strategy behind uh, what what it's writing about and the tool won't 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 show you that
0: yeah i know there's been a lot of kind of discussion with like so we have the helpful content update just finished rolling out so i think that's going to be more and more important as we go forward to try and really think about the search intent and the context for what we're writing who we're writing for please don't write for robots (laughs) please listeners understand your users understand your audience and write for those people and yeah I think that's a huge part of kind of bringing that human element right of understanding the humans you are writing for the tool as as a bot essentially doesn't understand that context and won't get that kind of thing is there a tool you'd recommend to kind of have a look at the keywords. I know like SEMrush and, and hrefs are kind of pretty good at getting a kind of quick, organic kind of glimpse of what pages are ranking for and things like that. Would you typically include that as part of that audit process as well?
1: Usually, I like at least analyze like the top 10 pages. Um, I use SEMrush, I use hrefs, and I also use the plugin, uh, the Chrome extension keywords everywhere, Mm. uh, so that I have like the keyword data in Google Search Console. So I always take a look at at that at least a little bit. Sometimes I check, for example, if those most important pages have some strong keywords on the second page, and then I recommend like some small on-page optimizations or, or internal linking optimizations. And very often they really Help the help uh, the site uh, the pages move to the to the first to the first page of of Google because they weren't optimized those pages for those keywords at all in many cases.
0: Yeah, yeah. So moving on to a bit of backlink analysis here as well. Again, another thing I think a lot of tools include as a separate thing away from a site audit, but I think should be included, especially when you're onboarding new clients. I don't know. I've talked about my. I'm not, hatred's the wrong word, but frustration with the disavow tool and how so many people in SEO are very trigger happy with that and just being like, "Don't trust the site, just disavow it straight away." Whereas <laughs> I've actually encountered when I worked with the client a few years ago, they had disavowed a good link that I saw in their disavow file when I first started working with them. It was like, ah, "That's gone to waste. That's a real shame." <laughs> like just throwing that in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how would how would your approach be to looking at the the backlinks of a site and kind of auditing that from an SEO perspective as well?
1: So I, I always like, I have at least one section in my audit, audit process, uh, which is dedicated to analyzing links. So the way I do it, I look at links uh, using uh, Google Search Console. Like this, these are, I think, like the, the main links I want to I want to check because since Google is showing me those links, I may take a look at them. Of course, I also do link analysis using Semrush and and Ahrefs. Uh, those toxic links, to be honest, I ignore them in most cases because they sometimes because I believe that those the, the most toxic links uh, toxic links uh, those, those tools uh, call them. I think Google is ignores those those links like blogspot links anyway. Yep. So my recommendation here is usually. If you haven't been actively building those links, and if you have, if you don't have like millions of weird links, I don't think there is a there is a need to disavow them. It's better to focus on creating new content in most cases. So, I am. I don't think we do have to. Uh, we do need to use the disavow tool unless we have been like doing some shady stuff. <laughs>
0: You're cleaning up after a very shady yes. agency who worked before you. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, that's that's my my approach. And rarely do I have clients who have anything in in disavow. Usually, they don't even know what what this is mm. or so.
0: Yeah, I think that, I think that's a common thing. Like you said, people see the word toxic link and kind of react very quickly. And like I said, if people are less experienced or not aren't SEOs themselves and coming from a client perspective that looks like a very scary word that a lot of these uh, tools kind of throw at you. But as you've said, and as is kind of proven by a lot of the Google representatives, Google does not have a definition of a toxic link. That is not a thing from their perspective. So why should it be a thing from our perspective if we're working with Google? And, and other search engines as well have said the same thing. I know some of the Bing, the Bing team have talked about this as well, talk about it is not a thing from our perspective And a lot of the time they'll get caught up in the, you know, update from Google when they do their like spam and big clearance updates and things like that. They know what they're doing. They've been handling bad links for 20 years at this point. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like
1: links are their maybe most important, one of the most important signals. So I'm pretty sure they are getting better and better at understanding those links.
0: So thinking about backlinks, still kind of sticking with that, what what are the kind of things we should keep an eye on in terms of a backlink audit? Some positives, some negatives. Because um, I know the obvious thing is kind of broken links, right? You've got a backlink pointing to a page that no longer exists. Is there anything else that comes to mind when you think about diving into that backlink profile and, mm-hmm. and not thinking about toxic links specifically, but anything we should keep an eye on when we're doing that mm-hmm. as part of the so- audit process?
1: What I usually do, which is uh, part of this uh, quick SEO wins uh, part of my audit is I I check what pages on the site have the best external links. And then uh, once I determine what pages I think I would love to help in terms of SEO, uh, I recommend adding internal links from those best pages with the best links to internal links to the pages which we want to like promote in Google, which we want to have more <laughs> the so-called SEO juice.
0: <laughs> so spread spread the juice around. Spread ju- exactly. Yes,
1: exactly. So <laughs> I would say this is this is what, what I recommend doing, what I do. And it it helps, but but again there are so many there are so many uh, so many uh, factors at play that it is usually like hard to say 100% that this was like because i added those things that those rankings moved but in some cases it looks like this was really like th- like like this this really helped
0: yeah i think internal linking is a, such a huge factor there as well you're totally right the combination and harnessing the power of the external backlinks and then being able to essentially shift that around, as we said, move the move the juice around yes. the site <laughs> and being able to point it to pages you want to highlight, sections you want to highlight, anything like that. And I, I find it often from a lot of clients I've worked with in the past and some I'm working with now, you're maybe building like content and outreach content and all that kind of stuff to get those links in and using those internal links to then point to the services pages or the product pages that then can see the benefit from those internal links there as well. Exactly. Thinking thinking about internal links, what would be the kind of things you would want to keep an eye on from an audit perspective? You've already touched on anchor text, which again something I know you can spot from a mile away just glancing at a website. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) So yeah, I like yes. Because I would say eighty percent, maybe. Maybe I'm exaggerating. Seventy percent of sites I audit, they always have those low-value links. So I would say, one, uh, as you said, uh, internal uh, anchor text. But also, I would, uh, I, I always check whether, uh, like, actual href links are used as links, not necessarily mm-hmm. like JavaScript links or like low, like some uh, event-based links. So I would say making sure that these are actually the links Google can crawl and understand in addition to, of course, having like the highly super optimized uh, anchor text because I think in the case of internal links, we can be pretty a bit aggressive when it comes to the the anchor text.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So so thinking about... Again, more of the sort of technical side of things. Um, Let's talk about robots.txt briefly and think about that. What would be your kind of approach? Like I said, we're starting with a new site. We're going in with the audit, kind of reviewing it from, I guess, this kind of manual review kind of approach. What would you want to keep an eye out for when you're looking at a a kind of, for one better phrase, a new robots.txt file you've never seen before?
1: Mm -hmm. So uh, I would... uh... Make sure that, uh, the, that uh, the file does not block resources which are uh, needed for Google to render the site and see the content. So I would say this is the, the most important thing. Another thing is that robots uh, uh, text is not used to uh, prevent indexing because this is not like its purpose and whether it's used uh, the way it should be used for example there are some uh, infinite uh, search pages uh, which um, we don't necessarily want to google to crawl especially in the site I- in the case of very 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 huge like e-commerce websites when where crawl budget is a thing so i would like to make sure that uh, robots robots text is used the way it should be actually used and of course if it has like the uh, the sitemap indicated which is not like a huge thing but i like to have it
0: there. Yeah, no no harm in that, right? Yeah. No harm in pointing people towards the towards the sitemap just in case. Ye- yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um do you think it's also worth speaking of the sitemap having a look at that as well as crawling the site, crawling the sitemap specifically and kind of i know i from, from my experience comparing and contrasting the two, so like what is actually live on the site and what you're telling search engines is on the sitemap can often be two very different things so (laughs) yes yes so so
1: yeah definitely so i always i always both crawl the sitemaps and crawl like the site and 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 do that comparison and i also check uh, in google search console what's going on but uh, this comparison i had like an interesting case where this uh, the sitemap had i think uh, yes, the sitemap was pointing Google to HTTP versions, for example, of the site, even though the site was using HTTPS. So basically, Google like had to go through this one hop, and this was like a pretty pretty huge sitemap. Uh, I think hundreds of uh, hundreds of thousands, because it was an e-commerce, if I remember correctly. So yes, this comparison is really really important. Uh, uh, screaming frog or sidebulb can also show you if you for example have non-indexable pages uh, in the sitemap or or redirected pages as as i as i provided the example or if you have um what else what else even uh, non-canonicals in another... there as well
0: i've experienced that a few times having the yeah. kind of like seeing the like you said the http and https versions even if the canonical is the HTTPS version, you've still got the HTTP in the original or, you know, trailing slashes being missed out and yeah. stuff like that. That's the, a hugely yeah. common one as well.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. So in the case of of small sites, that's not a problem, of course. But if this is like a huge site, then, then it really beca- becomes a problem.
0: Definitely, definitely. So with sitemaps, let's move on to indexing and indexation. You mentioned Google Search Console a lot already. Obviously, that being our kind of first party data that raw data from google there would that be your first port of call to review kind of the coverage report and look at the indexing from for the site
1: yes usually usually before once uh, when when the tools are crawling the site i usually this is the time when i uh, when i uh, check uh, google search console data and like the the coverage report which has been recently updated now it's I think easier because we, we just have indexed and no indexed. before that you had errors. And sometimes people used to freak out about there is an error, but actually it wasn't an error. You just had this page with a no index tag and you wanted it to, ha- to be Exactly. Like that, yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Again, that, that's that context, right? That's understanding yes. someone with experience coming in and saying, no, you did mean to do that. That is okay. That is fine. But everybody sees no index, and it's like, oh god, that's a bad thing. That's that we want everything indexed all the time. It's like, not necessarily.
1: Not necessarily exactly. So yeah, so it, it's it's really worth uh, going through what Google Search Console is showing you. Uh, for example, I had like a few cases of sites when I went when I went into GSC, I noticed that the site was like I don't know one one thousand URLs indexed URLs, and there was like five hundred thousand not indexed uh, (laughs) else. and then i was what what is it when i kind of uh took a closer look for example these were like all those japanese characters type Mm. of pages so this this site this site was was hacked for example and google was at first google indexed uh Index those, those, index those pages then google kind of realized that not necessarily these are the pages which should be indexed and then they were like going straight to this not indexed uh, part of coverage report. so and uh crawler i think i'm not sure if crawler was able to show me that because this were like this was like when you when you viewed that page it was it was returning 404 but google was kind of still showing them and those pages were showing in 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 results so so google search console is the way google sees the site and and kind of shows you exactly what's indexed and and in addition to that of course you should use the crawler which is which is going to review All the meta robots for example directives whether you what you actually how many non-indexable pages you have and there may be differences so definitely i would say this compare the two
0: yeah i think talking of comparing things something i had kind of underestimated a little bit was reviewing rendering as part of the audit process as well and just the ability to go into your browser disable javascript and then yeah. reload the page and see what it suddenly doesn't do oh yeah. all the na- all the navigation has disappeared oh suddenly or you can't click no on any at all <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think mark found that uh, a couple of weeks ago there was just a completely white page and we we're like okay is there anything here nothing at all scrolling around it's like nope it's all rendered in javascript like brilliant yeah
1: sort of just, <laughs> just this loading circle sometimes. exactly yeah yeah <laughs>
0: um so like What are some common things to keep an eye on when it comes to dealing with JavaScript in the audit process, dealing with the rendering process, having a look at that?
1: So I would say um, the first step, as you said, is to actually see what's loaded with JavaScript. Usually it should be, and my recommendation usually is that the main content shouldn't be loaded with JavaScript, the navigation links, the most important links, they should be Available without JavaScript. So I would say this is the biggest problem when they are not. Of course, Google is getting better at understanding, and sometimes Google has no problems with that. But there are instances when, for example, those uh, like the title of the site or links may change after rendering. So you have like a different, th- you are giving uh, with in this. Fer- first phase of rendering, you're showing Google this and then after rendering you're showing Google something different. So I would like to uh, not having those two consistent I think is a, is a serious mistake and uh, relying or on, on JavaScript too much uh, when it comes to the main content is another mistake and not using regular href links for, for links but using those uh, JavaScript links instead, especially when when, it, when, when those things point to, for example, category pages or blog pages or product pages, we, when, when it is like crucial for us to, to educate Google about those pages and that they're important for us and for, for the structure of the site.
0: Yeah, you could build a lovely site structure and have all this brilliant internal linking and then all JavaScript and as soon as you turn it off, none of it works. So, yes. so all, all that effort has gone to waste.
1: <laughs> exactly, yes, exactly. <laughs>
0: So coming on to thinking about kind of the I guess the the different approaches, like we said, we're kind of coming at it from the perspective of looking at a website for the first time. But say you've been working with a client for a while or, you know, you're, they've got a big change coming up on the site. Would your approach to doing an audit differ if, say, for example, uh, I don't know, they, they've requested an audit every six months or every year or anything like that? Uh, I guess my first question would be how often should we be doing a kind of full site audit do you think say it's a fairly big site it's a fairly sizable client Mm -hmm. in terms of your business and things like that
1: so I would say those six months uh, six months maybe eight nine months every six eight months I would I I would recommend doing that Uh, in the case of my clients I do this initial SEO audit I have this file so after some time I usually uh, get back to those things what i like those problems i i had sometimes it is just a reference point to me i simply do a crawl and i look for those things i don't necessarily do like the exact same audit which took me like 60 hours but i kind of cover the most important things or i know what can what can get broken like like for example internal links can 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 become broken for some reason so Usually this is my reference point, but, uh, yeah, I, I, would, I would recommend having at least this basic, basic SEO audit, basic technical SEO audits once, twice a year.
0: Good idea. What, would,
1: what are your experiences? Yeah. I,
0: th- I, I, I kind of threw six months out there very casually as part of the question and then realized I kind of threw my opinion in there. <laughs> <laughs> by default as well i tend to go for sort of six months as well um i know a lot of people are i, I, I do tend to do a sort of monthly crawls just just keeping and like yeah. setting up like scheduled crawls on things like SiteBob bulb and yeah, stuff like too. that just to keep an eye on stuff and make sure it's uh, suddenly something hasn't broken or anything like that or the the site health just drops off a cliff or anything yes. like that okay. um but not fully like presenting that to the client every single time and going through that process. So I think keeping an eye on stuff is key, but actually not kind of spending all of your time. And I know something I've talked to Mark with quite a lot is we don't want to spend all of our time doing auditing you actually need to be creating good stuff that will yeah. bring value to the client and actually do some SEO work
1: exactly. rather than just
0: constantly <laughs> fixing stuff and auditing stuff. And you spend all your time writing reports and you don't actually get chance to <laughs> do yes. any actionable stuff there as well. Exactly. So. <laughs> um,
1: perfect, perfect point. <laughs>
0: How about when people are doing, say we've got a a web design company in and they've redesigned the site or we're going through a site migration, um, would your approach kind of be to uh, audit before and after or just after? Or what would your kind of thoughts be around any sort of big site changes coming from the developer point of view?
1: So to be honest, I deal a lot, uh, a lot with with migrations and redesigns. And my approach is, I always do, and as you audit before, like of, of the current site, and paying special attention to what's ranking, how well it's ranking, and the traffic numbers. So that uh, I I always export the list of all URLs. Uh, I al- I also like uh, merge the di- merge this with the data from my Google Search Console, so, what, so I know what those URLs actually rank for, and. Uh, when the new site is being designed and is already designed uh, and is in this staging environment, uh, then I run a crawl. I do the mapping. Oh, uh, lucky
0: you, you're getting staging environments. How fancy! Yeah. <laughs> don't we don't always get staging environments, yes, but I do. Yes, I do. I, know, I do love it when we do.
1: <laughs> but in rare occasions, when I do, it's it's kind of making making life a lot easier. So I always <laughs> like map all the URLs to the staging URLs sometimes i recommend doing content pruning in some cases it's it's it's, it's actually beneficial and then once everything is kind of uh, mapped out and the map of redirects is ready uh, to launch together with the launch of the site i the site launches and then right after it launches i do another crawl and just to make sure if maybe something if something uh, hasn't uh, hasn't become broken and uh, i make sure all those redirects work so i would say there are like in my in my in my case there are usually three uh, stages uh, the old site the staging site and the live site
0: very cool and again those aren't the full like you said full takes a week 60 hour audits this is kind of a a dial back version of that kind of prioritizing and highlighting Yes, yes. In in that case, that would
1: be like, not not, not necessarily that in-depth, but uh, it would be more about making sure what's ranking and uh, learning about the internal linking structure. Because Mm. if something is ranking, we don't necessarily want to change the internal linking structure too much because it may cause uh, unexpected results. So... And, and usually when there is a migration or the redesign, I always try to uh, implement those possible quick SEO wins. Uh, there is always room for improvement when it comes to anchor text. And I'm happy to say that in most cases, those redesigns, which I have overseen, were successful and the traffic actually started to, to go up after them instead of like... <laughs> dying <laughs> instead
0: of one of the horror stories we hear so much <laughs>
1: yeah yeah but i have i have uh i have a lot of I, I had a lot of people reach out to me exactly after the redesign and what happened like they have now a flat line of traffic so and usually the it is it is very very easy for me to 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 find what happened in yeah. many cases this is this is for example no map of redirects for example someone uh, someone decided that those pages are not worth it let's remove them and not redirect them and and yeah
0: <laughs> yeah i experienced this with a client it was one of the first things i did when i started working here at canda uh, it was kind of a migration recovery project working with a client we'd not worked with before but they had came to us like very mm-hmm. much like you said my traffic has disappeared what's going on kind of thing can you help us and Essentially, they had not redirected any of the images and images were a huge factor in a lot uh-huh. of their traffic. And we were looking at this and I think so many people don't neglect that option to swap from search to image in search console and realize, oh, there's search, there's images they're discovering there as well. You've got to take in all those different yeah. factors and your different where you're getting your clicks and impressions from might affect how you then approach that going forward and how you map your redirects if you don't get anything and who cares about your images and you're not an image heavy site maybe don't spend the resources doing that but if it is a big factor it can be worth taking the time to really map out those redirects and make sure everything is pointing in the right direction i think if i remember correctly this was a full like platform migration from one cms to another Mm -hmm. so completely cdn whole thing changed and Yeah, it was a big mess. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's an excellent point with images, right? Because in most cases, when I compare, like image clicks are like close to none. But there are exceptions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There are certain sites where that is a big factor. Um, I know you mentioned before when you first started um, like building up your website, building Mm -hmm. up SEO Sly, you got a lot of traffic from Discover as well, which I think is something a lot of people outside of SEO, most people don't even know it exists, first of all. Oh, or they have seen it and have no idea what it is like yes. you just scroll your search in the app and like oh there's another page that's recommending me articles i wonder what that is yeah. nobody knows that's called google discover or anything yes, like that
1: exactly but yeah
0: i think that's a thing that certain sites and certain um areas certain industries certain niches can get a significant amount of traffic from those Kind of unexpected places for a better frame, so definitely worth factoring that in and keeping mm-hmm. an eye on those those sides of things as well, for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, in in the case of my site, of course, this is like an anecdote. If I publish regular regularly, I get a lot of traffic from Discover. If I take a break, traffic from Google Discover, the <laughs> Discover takes a break too.
0: <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, so let's think about keywords a little bit. And you mentioned kind of thinking about context, thinking about how we're ranking and how that can change, you know, post-migration and all that kind of stuff. A hot topic over the last couple of years or so, year or so probably, EAT. How would you approach kind of getting an idea of the EAT of a website during that audit process?
1: So... uh I actually have again the entire section just uh, just just about EAT. So what I did there, I simply went through all Google uh, articles about EAT. Uh, they have this uh, famous article: "What uh, What Website Owners Should Know About Google Core Updates." I think they have also uh, provided some guidance in their uh, articles about uh, Google Product Reviews updates. And I think in the latest article about helpful content updates, so I basically took all of those uh, questions, I put them in the spreadsheet. And when they apply to a, to a specific site, because in some cases they don't, uh, I simply go through those questions and try to answer them as uh, as precisely as possible. And usually I am able to, to find some some possible things to be to be improved in terms in terms of EAT and of course there is like quality raters guidelines which everyone should read from cover to cover there are some
0: recently updated as we talked about in the news episode a couple of weeks ago as well
1: yes exactly so so again this is a technical SEO audit process I have but I still look at those questions because sometimes there is something to 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 be improved
0: yeah, definitely. I know we've talked we've talked a lot about EAT on the show. Let uh, alone when Mark spoke to Lily Ray about it, even before I joined the podcast. It's a, it's a big topic, and I think it's a lot of people, um, a lot of people coming from two different directions. I think thinking about it from sort of like where are you getting your links from and authoritative kind of sites and that kind of thing, but also thinking about how you display your information on your site who has written this article, when do they write it, what are their credentials, all that kind of thing. Is that typically something you would recommend to clients in general? Or is that kind of, would you say that's more kind of niche towards the your money, your life, YMYL kind of stuff that essentially requires that kind of stuff if you're writing about health and finance and all that kind of thing?
1: I would say I recommend i provide some recommendations in the case of practically all sites not only like uh, your money your life types of sites because i always think at least you should provide uh, the information about the author of the site who who is this author to talk about that (laughs) that topic linkedin uh, linkedin linkedin link to the linkedin profile if there are some awards certificates why why not show them on the site or use the schema same as if you have some publications uh, somewhere you may point to those publications as well provide your photo anything so i think this is like (laughs) common sense thing but i always recommend that unless someone has a very uh, good reason not to uh, show <laughs> their face or, or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think because the reason I asked that question is I think a lot of people see it as a factor only for your money, your life sites. It's just like, oh, if I'm not writing about you know medical advice or financial advice, whatever, I don't need to worry about it. But I totally agree with you that you know why not? Essentially, if you, if you can, why not do it? Yeah, it it will benefit you in the long run and. For me as a user, like completely switching off the SEO brain as as much as I can, putting a face to a name or an author makes a huge difference for me as a reader, as, you know, going in and seeing, I know from your website, your face is all over your website. You've got GIFs of you pointing everywhere and all that kind of stuff. And I think that, like endears the reader to you as a personality because your your voice and your tone and your experience then carries through and you're able to say like oh yeah there's Olga she's pointing towards the subscribe button for the (laughs) newsletter she's there pointing to the thing in the audit like I think that's a it's a nice way of doing it not only from EAT but actually kind of being welcoming towards new users as well and I think a lot of sites can feel a bit kind of cold and calculating and seo focused in a this has just been written for just to get keywords in there and it's not actually as we said not actually writing for humans so i'm not even going to put my face to it it's written by web admin or whatever the yeah d- admin. default setting is. with an
1: ai created photo
0: oh god yeah <laughs> with a weird like nose somewhere and eyes yeah, in the wrong place three eyes. yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah I i think it's Again, I think it's something people underestimate from, oh, I'm not working in YMWL, so let's not bother. But yeah, I totally agree with you having those little bits and pieces in there. um, I always use the example of Healthline because they go absolutely crazy Mm -hmm. with that. They have the full credentials of when it was last reviewed with a medical doctor uh, when was the article updated so they will have essentially like a change log down the side of it was originally written in January twenty twenty two, updated in June twenty twenty two, reviewed by a medical doctor, blah blah blah. And they run through this whole process sort of like that is I mean, granted, they are healthline, they are doing they are providing medical advice. So that makes yeah, sense. But maybe exactly. not going that far with every single site, but having those little steps towards that I think can be uh, like I said, in, in not only endearing to the user but can factor in for a lot of SEO stuff as well.
1: But yeah, before I uh, I created SEO Sly, uh, I was this kind of person I really didn't want to show my face. I think <laughs> you wouldn't see my face nowhere <laughs> anywhere on the internet. And I had a portfolio of of sites which I created like this anonymous person because I was I do I, I knew some SEO so i I was trying I was monetizing those sites. And none of those sites had such nice growth as SEO Sly because SEO Sly has this personality, this other element of people sharing, enjoying, reaching out to me. And I think this really, really made a huge difference.
0: Yeah. And I think even in terms of sort of like brand awareness and stuff like that, especially if you're essentially representing yourself as you are with SEO Sly, Mm -hmm. you now have that face and name of just like, it's not welcome to SEO Sly that's yeah. it. Here's how to do an audit. It's no, I'm Olga. I am recommending yes. you do this thing. I have this many years experience. I have worked with these kind of clients and done these kind of jobs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think it makes a huge difference in terms of brand awareness. The fact that, you know, some of the listeners will have heard of who you are through a newsletter or us mentioning you on the podcast before or other podcasts and other appearances, and then helps to build that kind of like brand awareness as well. And I think a lot of companies. Could benefit from that as well even yeah. if they're going for sort of yeah i want to be interviewed on a podcast about my website then yeah getting your name out there getting your face out there can definitely help
1: exactly <laughs> even though it may be a bit scary at the beginning exactly
0: yeah yeah i love the idea that you've gone from complete anonymity to gifts yeah. and and faces everywhere just yeah i, uh, I appreciate the transition
1: it's still kind of I'm not feeling like the most comfortable with that but that's kind of I need to do that if I want to do SEO and I want to like be successful. <laughs> You've on committed the to it now. <laughs> yeah.
0: Cool. Um I think we've pretty much covered everything. Is there anything else you can think of you want to cover? Cuz I know I know we're at about an hour now, so Yeah, I think too long. I think that's pretty much everything, isn't it? Yeah,
1: I think I think pretty much everything, so
0: Awesome. We will wrap up there. I'll give you a chance to plug all your social media SEO slice stuff as well.
1: That's great.
0: Cool. So that is a hour roughly run through Olga's process of SEO auditing. Hopefully, listeners, you've learned a lot about the SEO auditing process. If you want to learn more from Olga, where can they go, Olga? Where can they find you across the internet?
1: So I am uh, quite active on Twitter. So at Olga Zareczna. I think you will find it in the in the in the episodes notes. You will do yes. <laughs> so Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, feel free to to connect with me, and of course my my website seolslide
0: Fantastic, like I said, recommend you sign up for the newsletter there so you can keep up to date with everything Olga is doing, and. As I said, we've covered a lot of stuff, but there is even more in Olga's SEO audit <laughs> article with soon to be updated, there we go, breaking news, more than 200 steps Yeah, in in that great. article. So if you want some even more in-depth, moment-by-moment, minute-by-minute breakdown, I highly recommend you go and check out SEO line. check out that article. And thank you for coming on, Olga. It's been awesome to finally talk to you
1: thank you it was it was pure pleasure so yeah and i can't wait for you and mark to join my podcast as soon Excellent. as it launches <laughs>
0: <laughs> fantastic we look forward to that as well so stay tuned listeners you'll probably hear us on the seo slide podcast coming up yeah. in the next few weeks and months as well <laughs> That about wraps us up for this week. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you appreciated Olga's insights on auditing and some technical SEO tips throughout the podcast. I know I've learned a lot from Olga and learned a few more things during the episode as well. So I hope you did as well, listening at home, at work, on your commute, wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you would like to get in contact with us, you can contact me on Twitter. I am JLW Chambers on Twitter. It's probably the easiest way to get a hold of us. If you'd like to come on the show yourself and you have some interesting SEO or PPC stories to tell, please do get in contact. I'm always looking for new people to interview and new people to shine a light on them in this industry who have gone underrepresented in their career so far. I've got some fantastic guests coming up over the next few weeks including the likes of Daniel K. Chung, Jamal Ramos, Maddie Osman, Miriam Gessier and Stephanie Walter. And of course, Mark and I will be back very soon with more live LinkedIn Q&As as well. So lots of content to look forward to over the next few weeks. But until then, thank you very much for listening and have a lovely week.